New Zealand Tech Podcast, the voice of the tech community, proudly supported by Umbrella Connect. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We're at episode 519. I'm your host, Paul Spain, and with me, Vincent Herring. How are you, Vincent? I'm oh, really well. Thank you, Paul. 519. It's very impressive. We're ticking along, aren't we? Well, today, I wanted to do something a little bit different, and we have been mixing it up a, a little bit uh, this year, and delve a little bit into tech investment in New Zealand, where New Zealand uh, is going, sort of, you know, future-wise, and, you know, how are we getting on? And we've had, uh, I think, uh, you know, a fair number of indicators uh, recently that are uh, that are encouraging on that front, despite all the challenges of, of COVID. And uh, you know, in, in fact, I think uh, you know it would be fair to, uh, very fair to argue that uh, you know COVID has uh, very much helped in uh, digital transformations for some organisations, even even just in, in small ways. Uh, but certainly the, the level of working from home that we've seen uh, has you know, just, I don't think anybody could have imagined we would be where we are uh, today any other way other than um, a COVID-type uh, type situation. Um, and, you know, of course, I'm always interested in what are the things that can help us as Kiwis, as a country, succeed and do better. And I certainly lean in on the thinking that uh, technology, if, if utilised well, if it's innovative use of technology and you know, innovative Kiwi uh, and creative thinking, um, we can actually do really, really well. And so I thought, well, let's dive in and, and, and chat through some of those things. Sounds good, Paul. You know, there are two ways that technology can make a big contribution to New Zealand. The first is just that productivity piece. You know, that technology is an enabler and it doesn't have to be New Zealand made to do that. You know, we can port the best of the best from Silicon Valley, from Europe, um, to enable our companies to be more efficient, faster, more globally connected. If you think about those um off-the-shelf tools, you know, the, the sales forces, the Azure, the, the um, hub spots and so on that can connect us to global best practice applied to New Zealand business. It doesn't have to be a New Zealand tech company to enjoy that. No, no, not, not at all. And it's interesting when you drill in and look at our organisations it's uh, we're we're a bit hit and miss, I think, on that front. And I often maybe it's an excuse, but I sort of tend to say, well, you know, the reason that uh, so many New Zealand businesses do poorly uh, is that we have so many sort of smaller organisations and. Yeah, it's very hard to know what to put your time into, what to invest into when you've got very limited resources to start with, which is certainly the case for smaller to medium organisations at varying levels. I think that's true, but that also hides, um, I suppose, uh, a risk aversion to technology investment that really should no longer apply. You think about SaaS models, software as a service now. There are not, not these big capital barriers to entry into being a tech savvy business, you know, you can sign up to a zero, to a HubSpot, to uh, Azure or AWS for a monthly fee mm. and get access to this, you know, world-class uh, capability. So, you know, that's the first way, you know, and I think you, you cover that quite a lot. But the second way is actually homegrown New Zealand tech businesses, right? 
And we know now that tech, uh, with the collapse of the tourism sector, tech now is really our second largest industry after agriculture. And that's exciting because um, tech typically has higher, um, uh, higher paid jobs than agriculture and forestry. Uh, it's, it's certainly not as dangerous. It's certainly not as polluting. Uh, it's not as delicious. <laughs> you know? And a good Angus steak. A lovely milkshake with, you know, Fonterra uh, or a Lewis Road creamery ice cream or something. Peter Griffin and I were talking on uh, Friday night. He was up for the uh, Microsoft Partner Awards. And uh, as we were wandering to a bar and wandering past the Angus Steakhouse, he was he was saying how good it was and that Wellington needs one. Uh, so, yeah, the, 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 the steak still, uh, the steak still holds still, its importance. It still reigns <laughs> supreme. But, you know, even there, you know, tech is, is disrupting. But that's for another day. But, you know, back to New Zealand. Zealand tech as a sector, it seems to be in rude health, Paul. And you just look at some of the numbers only about 10 days ago, the TIN 100 came out. Isn't it? Can we talk about that now? Or yeah, you, yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. Because, yeah. uh, you know, this is um, as good as it gets in terms of trying to track the fortunes of the New Zealand tech sector. And we know that it's largely anecdotal, um, and so it's not 100% accurate, but it's anecdote built on anecdote year after year, and so it does start to build up its own kind of truthiness. That's um, right. I mean, they, they survey all of the, the you know top companies that have an involvement in in tech, and so it's based on that data that gets shared and, and, and collated. And yeah, we might see other other numbers coming from other areas that would um, you know suggest slightly different things. But I yeah I, I agree. We're seeing you know consistent year on year sort of. I don't think it's um, the trend that matters, right? You know. The volumes might um, be disputed, but just look at some of these numbers, Paul. $12.7 billion in total revenue for tech companies. Well, in fact, that's not total. That's that's just the TIN 200, so that's the largest group. Uh, $970 million in, um, uh, in export revenue. Uh, is that right? Uh, $972 million me, in, in growth. In, in growth. That's and right. then... Um, there is a there is a number in here of how much of it is uh, is export. I will try and well, I will we, try and locate that yeah. as we as, as no, we're talking. Nine point four billion in exports. There we are. So you know, very soon we'll be crossing that line to being a ten billion dollar sector. Um, but you know, some really interesting things here: the growth in jobs, four thousand new jobs created this year. So there's fifty five thousand people employed just in those top two hundred uh, companies alone. But critically, I think you know is the um, is the average salary, which uh, from all the data I've seen is 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 a higher, which is kind of what you'd expect, right? You know, in a knowledge intensive business employing high skilled people. Um, but the nice thing about this is it's it's not geographically located, so you can you know the barriers to entry for starting a tech company are pretty small. And in fact, we've seen some very cool companies move. To the provinces, you know, Straker. I'm thinking the you yeah. know the translation service that has just done so well. They moved to Gisborne to create a lifestyle for their staff, um, and you know, just they just do so well. They win award after award, and they continue to grow. Um, but have been able to move their business to Gisborne and still flourish, and that just shows you know the power of tech to uh, work across our economy, employ different types of people from different um, parts of the parts of the country. And I think it was Paul Callahan, the late Sir Paul Callahan, who worked out that to 
for New Zealand to match Australia, we have to grow. You know, we have to grow faster and we have to grow in a more productive way. And he worked out that we're basically five Fonterras short of catching up with Australia, sort of like for like. And, you know, five, the, physically New Zealand can't sustain five Fonterras. There's not enough land, there's not enough water, there's not enough room to pollute. Well, so, yeah, it's, yeah some, would, some would argue there's not enough room for, uh, for the for, Fonterra. For one, we, for we, one we, Fonterra. We, we, we already have from, you know, from various perspectives. So, mm. yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And... Um, these these numbers are very encouraging that we can we can grow at a level that that Fonterra and others uh, can't grow when we when we look at the the tech sector, and you know you talked about um, Straker there operating from Gisborne. Of course, these things are springing up all around the country, but there's so much more room for growth for, for a lot more firms or for the existing firms to be able to grow in those areas. And that has to be one of the positives out of this COVID time, as we've seen the realities of being able to work from anywhere. Mm. And of course, New Zealand having you know, great infrastructure to support that. So, you know, making it very easy from a connectivity point of view. Yeah, I think the, um, you know, fast internet, you know, do, do, it's almost we almost can't remember what it was like to have terrible internet. You know that we always used to compare ourselves with Australia or with the states or so on, and we don't do that anymore because UFB's been so successful. Only when we want to make fun of other countries. <laughs> exactly, uh, because you we're know, so, you know, so high up. Because now, now we're quite proud of it, right? And <laughs> yeah. and you look at what the failure in Australia to roll out their MBM is. It's been a disaster for them because they were captured and they lost their, they you know they lost their. Um, courage at the last minute to, f- to do the job, whereas New Zealand actually pushed on and did it. And off the back of that, I think we've, we're seeing massive growth in um, you know uptake of tech, investment in tech, and um, and um, you know so many more people watching Mandalorian. As yeah. a result, <laughs> yeah. Well, and we certainly we delved into some of that on on the episode last week. So, if you're interested in hearing, you know, a little bit more about that, about the um, rural broadband and the other gaps and and things that are uh, uh, that are improving there, um, you know, connect, connecting up um, the marais around the country and so on. Then, mm. um, yeah, we we have delved, delved in um, deeper on that. Um, what have so, what's sort of standing out for you and in, in terms of some of those um, details from the tin report are there um, any other things that have um, that have caught your attention I think um, it's interesting to see uh, fintech is the fastest uh, growing sector now five years running Um I think that's that's rather rather interesting. I think fintech's exciting, and you you think about what Zero has done for fintech as a leader in that space. You know, it's just phenomenal what Zero has done and continues to do, and it creates a little bit like what Nokia did in Finland. It creates an ecosystem that that people can flourish. In, right, you get staff falling off the zero tree, starting up things, and people coming back into zero as well. Um, but also, zero creating a platform for New Zealand fintechs to expand into. And I, I don't know if you'd include Vend, for instance, as a as a fintech, but it's certainly contributing um, to the to improve performance in retail. You know, they they yeah, are able to build their absolutely. business off the back of zero success, create. 
products that just plug into Xero and access all of that massive database of customers they've got. Mm. Um, Workflow Max, many, many years ago, um, you know, was purchased by um, Xero um, and and now for many businesses is the sort of standard operating, you know, timekeeper for uh, particularly for professional services, right? Um, yeah, fintech's great, and, and also quite pleasing to see there the, the um, you know the high tech manufacturing. Man- manufacturing took such a big hit through the eighties mm. and nineties, mm. and we we thought that that was the end of manufacturing in New Zealand, because manufacturing in those days was about scale. It was about hard difficult capital intensive activity that was best done in, in China and USA and Germany and so on but what we're seeing um, you know the, the share of that revenue 51.5% of that top of that tin 200 revenue comes from high tech manufacturing that's exciting Paul because what that means is that we're not just creating software which fine you know software's fine you know yeah. let's, let's yeah. not diss it but always good to spread your risk and seeing the high tech sector, a high-tech manufacturing sector comes through there is interesting because that means you're employing scientists, engineers, uh, you know, people that get their hands dirty with making stuff. Um, and this is, uh, I haven't drilled into it, but you know, a lot of that's going to be medical grade. Mm. You think of the Fisher and Parkle health Yeah, it's very uh, pleasing to see how they've done during this uh, this period of time. I guess my hope is, is that, um, you know, that sets them up for you know, ongoing and, and, you know, continual growth for the future too. And you just see this, like these are numbers, but, you know, we all have anecdotes, don't we? I have a niece who has just graduated from um, Auckland Uni with an engineering degree, snapped up before she was finished her degree by Fisher & Paykel Healthcare to become a specialist in developing the, um, the rubber, uh, what would you call them, um, you know, that make the face masks that, oh, that okay. uh, allow you to sort of the toggles that allow yep, you to yep. wear your face mask. Right, yeah. And, sh- you know, they're developing a, a type of rubber that will be completely unique to them, completely patentable. Here's a young woman who um, all her skills are being deployed. She's on a high salary. She now is buying a house in Auckland. You know, good for her. You know, how many people can buy a house in Auckland? Yeah, but, yeah. Um, you know, she she will on to create wealth for her family and create products that uh, are sold internationally. So behind these numbers, Paul, you know there are there are anecdotes of young people being employed, given hope, uh, given wealth to you know create opportunities for them. Uh, I don't know if we could talk about RocketWorks yet, but were we let to skip. Yeah, skip yeah, ahead, yeah, or yeah, you know, yeah, you're, you're yeah, controlling yeah, the agenda yeah. here. But another anecdote, you know, I'm uh, controlling nothing. <laughs> I can't control you, but so. well, yesterday I was up at Rocketworks, and I'll explain in a minute why I was up at Rocketworks. But uh, tell um, people who Rocketworks are. Okay, as for those who aren't aren't familiar, so Rocketworks was is a very exciting game developer. Came came uh, was developed, started in Dunedin by uh, a young guy called Dean Hall, ex Army. Um, very innovative, uh, has done really cool things with his staff, um, you know, created a great culture. And uh, I think Icarus was their first game. It's certainly their their biggest game. Mm. Anyway, he um, just recently, I just love this, Paul. You know, in most cities, and it's true in Auckland and Wellington, you look at the tallest buildings, what are the names of 
what are the brands and the logos that are on the tallest buildings in any city? It's always the money guys, right? Yeah, it's the PwCs, yeah. it's the Deloitte's, it's the banks. It's it's yep. phenomenally depressing, yeah. you know, to see people who are so boring own so much wealth and power. Yeah, yeah. And the great thing about the tech revolution is that it is resting power off the boring people and giving it to the creatives. So the the top floor, 38 and 39 of the new, sad to say, PwC building, but anyway. Yeah, uh, they didn't quite the, get the naming They didn't rights. get the name of the whole Lemon building, but uh, anyway, the top floor belongs to Rocketworks. This startup from New Zealand, from Dunedin, has taken the top floor. He's just employed 60 people um, in this phenomenal place. You know, the views are incredible. It, they've kitted it out fantastically. I don't know how much they've invested. I, I heard it was, was over a million bucks in, in the fit out. To employ people who are designers, artists, writers, coders, you know, people who create things for a living, not just shuffle money around. I may be revealing some prejudices, Paul. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, got, have, have stopped hiring for now because, um, you know, 60 people in a few months is prob- quite a few to hire. But they'll hire mm, again. Mm. Um, and not only have they hired people, they've brought in a lot of money from an investor from Tencent in China, but not a majority investor, a minority investor. And this is kind of one of the exciting things that is happening in tech is we are holding on to our companies longer. So um, Rocketworks is still majority owned, as far as I know, as far as I can, it's a private company, but you know, it's, it's majority owned by New Zealanders with uh, a great injection of capital from a Chinese investor. And, you know, the exciting thing about that, Paul, is we previously have had to give away our crown jewels mm. to grow our companies. Yeah, yeah. Because we just so. haven't had the indigenous wealth mm. or patience or courage or whatever. You know, I, I'm not wealthy. I have not put everything at risk. And so I understand when people have to sell and, when, you know, you can't get too judgy about it. Yeah. But isn't it great to see companies like Zero? just to pick on them again, Vend, Fisher & Paykel Healthcare, Rocketworks, Volpara, largely New Zealand-based companies with, if not the majority New Zealand ownership, still a, a huge chunk mm, owned mm, by mm. New Zealanders. Yeah. And this is how we're going to create wealth and protect our sovereignty as well, Paul, because if we don't own our country, we can't be sovereign, right? Um, and so... This is all a long way of saying, um, you know, uh, please invest locally. Locally, we, yeah, we, in our we, own. We, we absolutely need to. Yeah, there, there's another little anecdote here, Paul, which COVID uh, threw up. Uh, talking with um, uh, Stephen yesterday from Rocketworks was uh, pointing out that almost all of those hires, those sixty people, were Kiwis, and that was a function of COVID. Right, they they couldn't hire from anywhere else, uh, but what a great opportunity for mostly young people. They looked pretty young. Everyone's starting to look young now, though. You know, <laughs> you cross that line, don't you? It's but you know, funny. largely a New Zealand workforce employed yeah. by this New Zealand company to grow internationally and really cool jobs doing amazing things. And I I believe they had did have to uh, they they did get a couple of. Um, people from offshore but but in very very specialist kind of roles yeah um, yeah but, 
Look, I think that's that's great to hear. And what often happens is we hear we hear the news. Oh, look, you know, um, ten cents invested, or you know, someone's invested from this part of the world or that part of the world. And I think I'd landed probably in the category that had thought that. You know the New Zealand sort of slice uh, was was a minority stake. Um, so just to uh, to fact check, as I like to do yes, occasionally, do. Yeah. Um, I, I, I may have drunk the Kool Aid. I, I jumped jumped online and looked up uh, Rocketworks at the company's office, and um, yeah, the um, the primary allocation with the uh, the whole uh, family by the by the looks of it um, is yeah over fifty percent. So that's um, and look, there's three different companies listed, but I'm looking at what appears to be the main one in terms of Rocketworks uh, Limited, hmm. and so. So yeah, that's really encouraging, and it, and it's news to me, and it certainly is. I th- you know, I agree with you that uh, you know the more that we can hold those investments uh, locally, the better. Hmm. Now there are all sorts of reasons why, in some cases, it might be more strategic to do otherwise. And um, you know, I know uh, Peter Beck has has you know spoken. Um, Reasonably regularly around uh, you know challenges getting investment. This is um, Rocket Lab, Peter Beck for Rocket Lab. Yes. Um, yep, which is um, not which is to be confused with Rocket US- work, Works and has USA in its in its name just, now. Just in case. You need um, to know. And and look, I'm sure part of that was was a, a requirement to work so closely with uh, with NASA because it it would have been it would not look very good for the I don't know the Donald Trumps and whatnot of this world uh, to be um, you know having people say. Oh, you know, America can't do its own stuff, and you're, you know, having to outsource it to mm. New Zealand companies. You know, and I guess they probably have lost a, a bit of face in in, in recent years in that uh, to get people into space, they were being, uh, you know, doing that aboard uh, Russian rockets. Uh, so I'm, I'm I'm sure they're quite pleased to uh, uh, to be doing doing that from. Um, the US again now with uh, the SpaceX partnership and that's right. And but, so on. Uh, but back to your main point, you know, it's not a rule. You know, we're not. No, this is not Fortress New Zealand. What <laughs> I'm saying <laughs> is, our capitalism needs to commit to at least having a portion that is given to new ventures and not just into our houses right out of property we're, we're, out of the yeah. you know property is unproductive and and it's a shame you know it's a great shame but it's a massive um, deployment of capital that is misallocated when we could be investing in I mean it doesn't have to be rockets right and it doesn't have to be games you, you think about what potential might exist in agritech and taking great New Zealand science around agriculture and horticulture to the world. And there are plenty of examples which, um, you know, we should talk about sometime. Actually, we should do a whole agri-tech, uh, horticultural tech section because, you know, the future of food is is so exciting, what's happening. And, and New Zealand has a big part to play. Uh, it, it could also get completely ruined by... Um, you know, sort of the digitisation of food, if I can call it that. But, you know, there's, there's a big change coming. But c- can we do a show about yeah, that? Yeah, I, I think that would be great. That make, makes uh, makes sense. And, yeah, there there would be you know, a few interesting people to, to talk to across all of these these fields as well. So there may be some specialised uh, ep- episodes down, down these tracks. Mm. 
Now, you know, I guess looking at the um, one of the changes that's happened this year is um, platforms such as Sharesies have had a you know a huge uptick in terms of the usage, in terms of investment. And um, I don't have the numbers numbers in front of me, but I, I saw a figure the other day that uh, put sharesies at something like um, accounting for about 12% of all transactions or, or maybe it was by, I can't remember whether this is number of transactions or, or by dollar amount, um, on the New Zealand Stock Exchange, mm. um, so you know, here's a, here's a platform that's that's been uh, that's been built locally, mm. enables anybody to uh, to jump jump in uh, and get investing with a you know, literally twenty dollar type mm. uh, investment mm. as a as a starting point. Uh, and you know, of course, there's uh, there's a you know there, there's a range of others that have um, that have facilitated uh, some similar things, such as uh, such as Hatch, and uh, you know it's a sort of democratisation of investing. Mm. Um, now, there's I guess there's a somewhat sort of sad element to it though, and I, I've noticed this from Hatch because you know they allow you to invest in um, in, in shares or, or, or portions of shares. Uh, and there's been a very heavy weighting, um, and not you know I'm not not saying this is en- entirely bad because there's been some good returns, uh, but a real heavy weighting to the sort of the big US tech stocks. Yes, and so um, you know those who 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 got in um, when we'd say Hatch uh, launched and put put their shares into sort of into cool brands uh, like Tesla, uh, some of those have done very well because Tesla's gone completely mm. uh, through the roof. So that that's not a bad thing because that money will you know ultimately comes back to uh, to New Zealand um, but I would love to see a lot more of uh, of those that sort of you know investing or, or speculation shall we say uh, being done with uh, with our New, New Zealand startups and okay. for us to be able to raise a little bit more locally than than you know maybe has been done yeah, in the well, past well, let's come back to that. I just want to have a, a thought uh, two thoughts about sharesies and hatch um, the first really positive thing about it is that uh, one's positive and one's slightly negative, but only slightly. Um, Sharesies has taught a generation to break the habit of property being the only asset class that's thought about, right? And partly the, the, the downside of that is that it's because property is now so out of reach of so many young people and uh, it hasn't stopped their desire to own assets and to build wealth, and so Sharesies has become this fantastic kind of, you know, it's a, it's a Gen C uh, millennial kind of tool that's uh, right for the time to open up an asset class that was typically unknown, excluded uh, to, to most New Zealanders. Uh, and so you can't resent people using that to invest in US tech stocks. You know, I think that's fantastic. That's what what it's done is it opened the eyes and the tools for people to own assets, as opposed to spending on, you know, yeah. coffees, um, lattes, and all that. Um, the one thing about it that uh, I think is is slightly bothersome, and I see my daughter participating in sharesies, and I love the ways it's kind of opened her eyes to the potential to own assets that are, you know, kind of generational potentially. Um, it's largely gambling, 
you know, she enters this thing with, with no real idea about what is a share, what is a good share, what's an investment strategy, what's a portfolio. And so it's kind of like gambling, you know, really is just kind of taking a punt. I don't think that bad thing outweighs the good thing. And, but, and and most of what we probably generally call investing actually sits in that camp to one. I like one, to think of deg- myself as a slightly more astute investor, Paul. But uh, to to one degree or another. For instance, if you think, look, we're going to, I'm going to invest in property because property is safe as houses. You know, um, I think you know one of one of the commentators uh, recently, who's uh, you know, reasonably well, well known, um, you know, made made a comment about the the property market now being a Ponzi scheme. Um, you know, they're, they're, as an investor, you don't have a whole lot of control. You've got more control if you buy a property and you do it up and you add value and mm-hmm. and so on. But you know, when you're investing in shares and all of these things, you or, or you know, putting money into shares into, I mean, Bitcoin. We know that's a bit, uh, you know, cryptocurrencies are a bit more on the edgier side. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, usually as an individual, you're you're looking at sort of past trends, bits and pieces of information, but you certainly can't guarantee what the outcomes are going. <laughs> Be, can you? No, that's true, and <laughs> and I guess you know what what you would hope would happen as people play with shares is as they start to turn through you know losing money um, and making money, they start to get a sense of like ah oh, this is how it works, which is which is really good. I think that's where KiwiSaver has massive potential as an education tool, but also to your point has real potential to generate capital to invest back into New Zealand. So what is KiwiSaver now sitting at it? You know it's in the it's in the hundreds of billions. It's a significant amount of money. And there are more KiwiSaver funds now starting to invest back into New Zealand, and so is the super fund. Um, And you'd hope, and this is the hope, I think, from the venture capital community, that that starts to uh, really feed into the venture capital scene so that these companies like Rocketworks and Vend and the the Zeros, you know, think about... How many cool companies are there? Moby to go, mm, you know. Mm. Um, they're just they're going gangbusters. What they need is more capital so that they can grow faster. These SaaS companies have huge potential internationally. So you'd hope that through KiwiSaver, um, Superfund, and, and now the sort of retail activity, which we're going to get to in a minute, um, through the likes of Punakaiki and IceHouse that more New Zealand capital will go into New Zealand firms. And I'm not saying, you know, again, just really reinforcing here, Paul, I'm not talking about being protectionist. I'm talking about having confidence in ourselves and growing our own indigenous wealth. Iwi, the same, actually. You know, just there's there's now such a growing asset base and capability to invest iwi Wealth, multi generational in New Zealand companies mm. beyond just mm. forestry and farming and fisheries. So we talk about Punakaiki Fund. Well, you've been you've been doing a little bit of work with Punakaiki. Yeah, I have a, uh, a declaration of interest fund recently, and um, you know we, we've had Lance Wiggs on New Zealand Tech Podcast, New Zealand Business Podcast, um, and in the past I've. Uh, 
I've invested in that direction. So yeah, keen keen to hear your uh, your thoughts. And we also mentioned uh, Ice House with their new fund, and uh, yeah, they've also got uh, what they're they're doing there on the uh, on the Kiwi uh, Saver uh, front in uh, in partnership with Simplicity. So there's there's some interesting activities here. It's but exciting. Let, let's, uh, it's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk Puna Kaiki Fund. Um, well, let, let's me just first disclose in case uh, there's any um, mistake. So I work with and for Lance Wiggs. Uh, so I'm, I work at, at the Punakaiki Fund. Um, not full-time, but I, I work enough to be uh, to be bought. <laughs> so uh, prepare for a party political broadcast. Um, we, if, if, if you're being uh, too over the top, I will uh, I will beat you back, as I usually do. Very, very happy to be beaten up. <laughs> so just a quick back... Uh, story. Um, Punakaiki Fund is, is just coming up to 10 years old. It is a fund that was started by Lance Wiggs and Chris Humphreys. They invested, they raised one point, a modest $1.5 billion, uh, billion, that would be nice. Well, that, um, would, that would be more than uh, modest. Yeah. Um, to start, it's it's now on its own valuation and there's no other way to value it because it's not listed. Um, uh, sitting just uh, shy of $65 million. And uh, the exciting thing about that is it's invested in very, very cool companies, some of whom I've mentioned, maybe to go vend weirdly, timely, lots of things with that, Lees at the end. Mm. Um, and uh, Devoli, another. Yes, yes, that's true. Uh, that that has grown, so the fund has grown. It's grown both in the capital it's raised from investors, but also the value of the companies, uh, and it's going to continue to grow because today uh, we are going up to Rocket Works. That's how I happened to be there yesterday because I was checking out the the premises. Uh, we're launching a retail offer now. What that means, Paul, is that unlike all other venture capital funds, this is open to the public. So it doesn't have like a you know a massive you know you have to be a, a billion dollar investor to invest in in this fund. Um, so the minimum amount is a hundred shares, and the shares are valued at twenty five dollars and fifty cents. So I think by my maths that means you need two thousand five hundred and fifty dollars to as your minimum investment. There's no maximum. So if you have a spare ten mil. Welcome aboard, my friend. <laughs> but um, the exciting thing for this, Paul, is that people like you, and you know, I don't think that you're a probably not a titan of industry. I know that you're a titan of um, many things, but um, ordinary people like you and me can get access to these cool companies and this cool sector through this retail offer. I think it opens on Friday, closes seventeenth of December, and. Um, so that's real opportunity for ordinary people to invest in this sector that I talked about, right? Mm. And otherwise, you're, you're reasonably limited. Um, it's been the venture capital scene has probably quite rightly, just because of the risks being re- restricted to high net worth individuals who who can afford to lose, you know, some money. Yeah, I mean, we, I guess we've become a bit more educated over the years, and we know that there's risks involved in. In high tech uh, startups, and so 
making them more accessible now i mean naturally and they're going this type of investment will attract people with an interest in in technology as much as much as anything yes. else right so and it's not without risk you know that needs to be set up front there yeah, are risks yeah, yeah. it's also not a liquid uh, fund you can't just sort of put it in and your money in and then take it out in 3 months time you you're in for the long haul well if you do need to get money out um, you know they they have actually done these sort of internal uh, bidding processes every yes. few months so um, you know I've bought extra shares that way I, I haven't um, I haven't sold any uh, and so you know for me it's just oh that's another another way of sort of accumulating once once you get started yep. and I think my initial was was as I've done in a, in a few different directions was whatever the minimum was at the time and it was probably a similar figure, figure to what you're talking mm. about two mm. and a half thousand or something yeah um, and it was just all oh, get started I want to learn a little bit about how this how this works, yeah, and um, you know, of course, folks like uh, Lance are, um, are, are fairly astute, and uh, you know, I, I guess I, I felt backing, um, you know, backing uh, reasonably onto or very onto it people. So, um, yeah. Well, I think that's you know part of the sentiment behind this thing is. Um Give it a crack, you know. I, I'm, and I'm not saying that you should sell your house to. You know, in fact, I shouldn't even say that stuff out loud. Um, you know, th- this is this is risk well, money in, in this market. I don't think you've. Well, you might find some people. Yeah, some people uh, selling their house to do to do something. But um, yeah, most of yeah. yeah, that's right. Th- this is risk money, right? Yeah, this is yeah. venture capital. With, you know, so mm. venture is the operative word there. Mm-hmm. But um, if you can, why wouldn't you? You know, it's it's such an exciting scene at the moment, and the companies that are involved are, you know, they're employing people, they're growing, they are, um, you know, generating wealth for their families and for their shareholders. So, I, I think it's got a it's got a really kind of feel good factor about it, mm-hmm. um, and it is investment. So, you know, disclosure statements and all that. There, there is risk involved. Yeah, and, and you um, need to you need to read read those things. You, you need know, to read you the go, statement you know, what you, before what, you get what you're going into. And and look, it's the same with with anything. Although often. We don't actually know too much uh, around investments. I mean, look at KiwiSaver, right? People have signed up for a default KiwiSaver, or maybe they've, you know, they've they've picked one. Um, but you know, those things mostly just sort of tick away in the background. Someone I was I was talking to uh, recently, um, I think, yeah, they'd, they'd had a retirement age and they hadn't really been looking at their uh, at their KiwiSaver. And oh, I've accumulated, you know, whatever it was. It was a mm. fairly large, large sum of money, and they just never ever looked at, you know, statements or anything else, and and had no idea. So there's a level of sort of out of sight, out of mind with with some of those things, and it, you know, it's all it's all very good, um, but. Of course, we we want to be you know, somewhat strategic around how uh, how we, we invest because it can make a really big it can make a really big difference, both in terms of you know what what you achieve with that investment, but also uh, the impact that your investment can make. If you're if you're pouring your investment uh, into something that doesn't help build and, and grow the country versus uh, you know something that potentially does, or worse, so many people have not examined where their money gets invested. Is it in child labour? Is it in cluster bombs? Manufacturer? Is it in pornography? Is it in cigarettes? Is it in, um, I don't know, choose anything, fossil fuels, um, oil and gas mining? Um, 
Yeah, you yeah. want those things to align with what uh, what you what you believe and would want to be supporting. You really do. Right? And yeah. um, you know, quick plug for our friends at Mindful Money. Barry Coates has created this uh, fantastic New Zealand tool that you just key in what you want your Kiwi Saver to do, and it'll rank the funds according to your criteria. You know, if you if you're really worried about the treatment of children, um, that site will identify what funds are investing in companies that are known employers of uh, children in the developing world. So I think your, your point about, you know, wake up, you know. Mm. Where's your money going is a good one. It is, it is. Um, we're, just, we're just about out of time, Vincent. Um, but we've been so interesting, Paul. <laughs> we could go on. Always. Well, there's a lot more to delve, delve into around investment. And, of course, there are lots of, lots of ways of catching, um, you know, catching that information. Now, on, um, on your podcast, This Climate Business, yes. I mean, you're, you're talking about um, you know, the business, the investment opportunities um, you know, related to um, climate change. And, I, I am, yeah. Uh, there's, some, there's some pretty interesting things to delve into there. Any any topics you want to mention that you know people want to uh, look out for an episode to catch? Oh, I think there are two, actually. One is, uh, we, we touched on Agri uh, earlier. I did a really good interview with a woman called Melissa Clark-Reynolds, who is a futurist and has a, a strong interest in food. And we talked about the potential for regenerative farming and regenerative-type thinking using technology technology to um, not exploit the land but work with the land and so this sort of idea of being soil farmers is quite interesting and it's highly relevant for New Zealand Um, but deploying the best of breed technology to be the best kind of farmer you can that's a very good position for New Zealand you know we've we've always had strong tech in New Zealand farming sector and um, that that desire continues to be you know to be a, a, a carbon positive um, country. Yeah. We need a, a farming and forestry sector that is investing in soil. Um, but uh, the, the other podcast I really enjoyed, and it had a massive spike, which was kind of interesting. Uh, maybe you reposted it, and maybe that's why it got a spike. But a guy called Brent Ogilvie from Pacific Channel, he is an investor. Uh, he goes around universities looking for interesting research that can be commercialised. It's a highly difficult specialised but kind of God's work in many ways you know finding research that is got the potential to be really world uh, you know globally relevant um, take technology and and um, you know sort of new breakthroughs effectively yeah, yeah. Um, and he finds way to commercialise it so he, he started a venture capital fund as well and has invested in some very very cool things um, so that podcast has been hugely popular Great. And, of course, the New Zealand Everyday Investor, which is another one of our podcast New Zealand shows, uh, which which delves into some of these topics as, great. as well. He's, on the, he's you know, so easy to listen to. I listened to his stuff on um, commercial property. That was pretty interesting. Mm. Well, there's yeah. So there's 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 plenty more listening there for those who are uh, uh, keen to delve a bit deeper. Um, but uh, that's ru- that that's our topics for this week. So uh, yeah, just a, a huge thank you to our show partners who uh, keep the New Zealand Tech Podcast running. So thank you to Sumo Logic, Vodafone, Spark, Vocus, HP, Gorilla Technology, and Umbrella Connect. And of course, thank you to you for listening to the show. Uh, and thank you, Vincent, for uh, for joining us this Thanks, week. Paul. 
Paul. It's always a pleasure. And, um, yeah, I, I, I just think tech is the place to be right now. You know, it is, it's a, we're an exciting phase of New Zealand. I mean, you and I have been covering tech sector for so long, and it's, it feels like it's gone from kind of, I don't know, you know, sort of much-loved one-offs, you know, like the Zeros and, mm, and the Rocket mm. Labs and so on, to, to now actually being an industry that is vibrant and really significant for New Zealand. So um, It's not just a geeky niche area. Yeah, it's still and, geeks, and, and, and uh, it's fine, but yeah. but it's becoming a lot more mainstream. It really has done. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll catch you next week for the next show. See ya. New Zealand Tech Podcast, the voice of the tech community, proudly supported by Umbrella Connect.